Welcome guys, we are in part four of this series called Reset. We've been talking about what it looks like to have a reset in a lot of different areas of your life. And if you're like me, you may feel the need for a reset after the year that we had last year and the way this year has even begun. Some of you I know may be starting this year saying, I need a physical reset in my life. And so you're making plans for that. Some of us think, well, I need a reset in relationships or maybe just in all of my relationships or in certain relationships in my life. You might feel I have to have an emotional or for sure a spiritual reset this year. This world has been turned upside down. And, and so when that happens, when it feels like the world is like that, it's a great time to reassess. It's a great time to take a look at pretty much everything. And so that's what we've been doing. And what we've really been doing in this series is saying, let's reset, let's reassess our relationships, all the different kinds of relationships that we have. So we've talked about our relationship with God. We've talked about our relationship with other people around us. Ethan last week gave us a great message about resetting and reassessing our relationship kind of with ourselves, with our gifts, with our abilities, with the things that make us unique. And today, I want to continue this conversation with one of the most important places that we can reset in our lives. And it might even seem a little weird to you, but it's our relationship with our stuff, like our relationship with what we have, the things that, that we have. Now, the conditions in the world affect how we feel about our stuff, how we feel about uh, our, our resources, the things that we have. Ask anybody who grew up in the uh, 1930s, like in the Great Depression era, or were affected in some way. Maybe their parents grew up in the Great Depression. I know that my parents grew up in, in that era, and they uh, were born in that era. And so I grew up seeing them have a high value on saving and a really high value on not wasting anything, like not wasting anything, even down to sometimes like plastic baggies, saving those, right? Because there was this high, high value on we better not waste anything that we have. They also had a high value in generosity, in giving, and somehow they figured out how to not be wasteful and also be generous. And, and in a lot of ways, I look at that and I think, well, the, the current climate of the, the time that they grew up in affected them in that way. Now, our temptation during a pandemic is really to panic when it comes to our stuff. It's to clutch everything tightly. It's to say, you know, something might get taken away, so I need to hold on to it as tightly as I can. And that's even going to feel right in the moment for a lot of us. Now, the problem is when that leads to something else. When it, when it leads to, if I believe that everything is scarce, then that's going to lead me to an attitude of scarcity. And the problem with an attitude of scarcity is that it's hard to follow the God of abundance with an attitude of scarcity. It's hard to follow him. When I have an attitude of everything's going to go away and I better hold it closely, then I'm also not the person I want to be, right? Because we would all say, I want to be a generous person. I think everybody would say that. I would love to be a generous person. And sometimes we follow that with, if I only had X amount of money, then I would be so generous. 
If I only had, and I don't know what that number is for you, if I only had $10,000 in my bank account, I would be so generous. If I only had $10 million in my bank account, you wouldn't believe how generous I would be. I would be the most generous person you know. It would be incredible. I would also be wise with my money. I would have all of my finances in order if I only had more. If I only had that, I would be the person that I want to be. I would be a generous person. Can you see the slippery slope that that leads you on that that is? So we need a reset. When it comes to our stuff, the things that we have, the resources, the money that we have been given, John Wesley, who was the father of the Methodist church movement, which is the church that I grew up in, he said, he said this, he said, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. I mean, that's like the perfect three-point message right there, like over and done, say the prayer. Earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can, but it's so good. Now, the Apostle Paul talks about this in the Bible, and as you might imagine, because he talks about so many practical things in our lives. He writes this passage to the church in Corinth. It's in the book of 2 Corinthians, where he talks specifically about resetting ourselves when it comes to the area of our stuff. And I want to share it with you. I think it's going to be encouraging to you today. Here's how he starts, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, in the Bible, when anyone, whenever anyone says, remember this, and he said, remember this, it's because he's getting ready to say something that's easy to forget. It's, he's going to say something that is so not natural that it's easy to forget. And he's like, I want you to remember this. When it comes to money, to how we deal with our stuff, this is the biggest principle he's getting ready to lay out. He's getting ready to, to, to explain this principle to us. And now, a principle is just simply something that is true. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. You can choose to disbelieve it. You can choose to believe it. It's still true. It is a principle that happens in our world. And, and I would say if you choose to disbelieve this one, you do so at your own risk. And it's this, you reap what you sow. We reap what we sow. If you want to receive a lot, give a lot. If you want to receive a little, give little. Now, to some of us, that sounds counterintuitive, but our experiences in our world bear this out and not simply in the area of finances. I know that my kids, when they were younger, especially they were playing a lot of rec league basketball. And I would always for years sit on the sidelines, sit in the bleachers like every other parent, uh, yell at my kids and the team, yell at the refs, sometimes yell at the coaches. Actually, I don't think I ever yelled at the coaches, but I would sit over there and do that. And at some point I decided, you know what? I actually want to try my hand at coaching and not just watching. And so I ended up the next season on the other side of the sidelines and it took a lot more time. It took a lot more effort. It took a lot more energy and, and patience. And I had to hear some parents yelling at me and I'm like looking at them like I'm, I'm just volunteering, right? I am just volunteering and you're giving me a hard time. But when you coach, the reward is so much better. A few years after that, I continued to coach and a buddy of mine, Mike, and I coached in a high school rec league with our boys and we had this superstar team. We kind of got everybody that we wanted on this team. It was amazing. They all had great attitudes and we kind of cruised through the regular season. And when the team wins like that, 
And I'm not just an interested bystander, I am winning too. Like I am a part of that team. I'm now a part of that team. And we went into the tournament at the end and we lost in the semifinals in this kind of crushing defeat. And Mike and I still talk about it even though it was a few years ago. But being a part of a team is a hundred times better than sitting on the other side of the court just watching. When you give generously, this is what Paul's saying, when you give generously, you become part of the team. When you begin to give generously, you become part of the, the team. You begin to receive, you begin to reap things in ways that you never could have otherwise. You reap what you sow. Now, generosity means a lot of things that are different to different people. Paul goes on, he says, he says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So this is not about anyway telling you how much to give or, or, or what generosity looks like for you. Paul's focusing more on the heart attitude. In other words, it's this, how you give is more important than how much you give. How you give is more important than how much you give. I think a good rule of thumb is this, if it's gonna feel generous, it needs to be sacrificial. If it's gonna feel generous to you, it needs to feel like a sacrifice. God delights when I give beyond my means. That's when he steps in and he says, I see, I see what you're doing and because you're giving sacrificially, I'm gonna give back to you. It could be in the area of finances, yes. I, in fact, I have some friends who over the years who consistently will say this to me. They're like, hey, when I began to tithe, when I began to give the first out of what I had received, I, that was when I began to experience a huge blessing in my life in terms of financially. Now, I also want to say this. It may, instead of financial blessing, be relational or family and certainly will be spiritual. But what God says in this passage is this, I love a cheerful giver. There's a story where Jesus was watching people give at the temple and, and some wealthy people were coming up and they were leaving their gifts at the temple altar. And he was noticing that they were giving out of their own wealth. And he was kind of like, okay, that's, that's fine, but it's not that big of a deal. But then this woman stepped up and she was a widow and she gave two small coins and he looked at her and he said to those around him, he says, who of these people put in more? And then he goes, she did. Because they gave out of their wealth, they gave out of their extra, she gave sacrificially. And he calls that out. How you give is more important than how much you give. Paul continues to write to the people in Corinth. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. When you are generous, God will bless you. Now, there are churches that take this out of context and get this out of whack. And they'll say, hey, if you give sacrificially, then you're going to be healthy. You're going to be wealthy. You're going to get it all back. That is not what this says. But it does say that there's a blessing that's attached to giving. There's a blessing that's attached to giving. Here's how. When you're generous, the passage says this, God is able to bless you abundantly. He can do it. Will he give you everything you ask for? Will he give you all that your little heart desires? I'm just gonna say no. 
<laughs> like he's probably not, but he's able to. He is able to. Now you may not have everything you feel that you need right now, but if you know him, you know the one who does. My parents didn't give me everything that I wanted growing up. There were times where I wanted a motorcycle. There were times where I wanted a remote control plane. I didn't get those things. Those are the things I wanted when I was a little kid. And especially when I was younger, I thought that they could. I thought that they could have given me whatever they wanted. But I was also fortunate enough to grow up in a, in a home with both parents there. And I knew that they loved me. Now, God loves you. And he also owns everything. So the, the, the passage, Paul says, in all things, at all times, having all that you need. In other words, all the time, I have what I need. All the time, God's giving me what I need. Even when I think that I don't, I do. God, who owns it all and loves me, makes sure that I have everything I need. Why? So that you will abound in every good work. He gives you what you have so that you can do his work here. Let me say this, if you're feeling right now like I don't have enough, God sees you, he hears you, he knows your needs and you can ask him for whatever you need and he may give it to you. I would say ask, ask, he might give it to you but if he doesn't, you can know that according to God you have everything you need to do what he wants you to do here. Verse nine says, as it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God's goal for you and for me, that we are generous all the time. That we're generous all the time on every occasion, it says. And get this, he will supply your needs so that you can be generous. He will supply you with what you need to be generous. That's pretty cool. This is how giving and, and the, the tithe even in the church work. It's like if I gave $10 in allowance every week to my son and I said, hey, I'm going to give you 10 $1 bills every single week, but I want to invite you to give, I want to ask you something. Give like very first, right when I give them to you, give one back to me. Give one back to me just as a way of thanking me and a way of honoring me and a way of acknowledging me as the owner of that money. I want you to give one back to me. Now, he could see that in a bunch of different ways, couldn't he? He could take that $10 and he could start to look at it and he could start to kind of get mesmerized by it and he could say, wait a second, you want me to give one of these to you? This is my money now. Like This is mine and, and I'm gonna do with it what I want to do. Now, does that make sense? It'd be better if he says, sure. You gave it to me, I'm gonna, out of obedience, I'm just gonna give it back to you because you're asking me to. You're the one who's generous, I'm gonna give you the one dollar back, that's fine. I still have nine more. And as the parent and as the owner, I might look at that and go, wow, that's really responsible, that's really obedient, that's really disciplined. Next time, I may just give you a little bit more. And again, Paul's saying the stuff the things you have, it's not for you. It's so that people will thank God when they see your generosity in action. 
So do you see how giving, how being generous is about your heart and not your wallet? It's about internal things, not external things. One of our church core values is this, generosity is a lifestyle. Generosity is a lifestyle. It's not a one-off, it's not a one-time thing. This is why. Here's why we believe that is a core value because money changes your heart. It just does. Either way, it changes your heart. It's incredibly powerful. And what you do with it, it can shrivel up your heart or it can expand it. It can grow it. Paul closes his message on this by saying these words. He says, this service you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God's given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The the beauty of it is this, when you reset your generosity level, when you reset that, you're actually resetting your heart. You're recalibrating your inside, your, your heart, your soul. What seems like a very outward thing, all the stuff that I have has a very real impact on the inside. This is why Jesus talked about money more than he talked about faith and prayer combined. Can you believe that? Jesus talks about money and possessions more than he talks about faith or prayer. And and he was a guy when he lived here was homeless. He lived in poverty. Why did he do that? Because he knew that life is eternal. And if you believe that life is eternal too, then you won't invest in stuff that's going to break and rust and break down and disappear. You're going to use what you have to invest in things that are eternal. Back to what John Wesley said, earn as much as you can, save as much as you can, and then give as much as you can. And what's eternal? What's gonna last? People, people around you. And what's the most important thing with people? Helping people around us see God for who he really is. A reset in generosity is a reset of your heart. It's a reset of your priorities. How do you begin? Here's three things. First is this, simple things, but but very important things. First is this, decide now to prioritize generosity. Decide now. Don't wait until you've got a decision to make. Should I give this or that or should I do this or that with my money? Decide right now before the next paycheck comes in. Decide right now before whatever happens. Decide right now. I'm going to prioritize generosity no matter what. Second thing is this, give first. Don't wait until everything's been paid off. Don't wait until you feel like you've got enough. Don't wait until all of that. And and I'm talking about more than simply financial. I'm talking about with with our relationships, with your heart, with all kinds of things in our lives. Give first. Just have the discipline of giving first as, as, as a sacrifice. Third thing is simply this, watch for God's blessing. That can come in so many ways, but predominantly this, 
the blessing that you receive spiritually from following Jesus, from walking in his footsteps, from taking steps of obedience to follow him and to turn your life and your heart over to him and to invest in people around you. Let me pray. God, you have given more than we ever could. That's just the reality. And we can choose with that reality, with that truth, to believe that or not. But God, we, we disbelieve that at our own risk. We disbelieve that at our own peril. Would you help us to understand that you are the owner of everything and that we are simply managing what you've given us right now? May we manage it well. And today, God, today, there may be some of us who, who have recognized for the first time that the thing that you've primarily given us is life and that now I've got to turn my life back over to you. So for those of us who are ready to start a relationship with you, who are ready to begin, who are or maybe simply ready to return to you, right now we lay our hearts at your feet as our sacrifice, we lay ourselves at your feet as our investment, as our gift, as all that we can do and ask you to work and move and speak and come into our heart and help us to live life with you. We pray this in the incredible, grace-filled name of Jesus. Amen.